To welcome to all this morning, as Carl has already said, it is so great to be able to gather together as an entire church family to be able to celebrate what God has done and what He is going to continue to do. I just, just looking around, my heart is so full of joy and expectation for what this day means. And the significance of this day and what we've been building up to and the things that God has been working in people's lives. Because what an incredible five weeks we've just had. What an amazing five weeks we've had as we've gone through our series on grow. How cool does this look? We've gone through our series on grow. And I don't know about you, but normally when you go through a series, you know, and you start talking about it for, for three weeks and for four weeks and then for five weeks, and you're kind of building up to an end point. You know, we've been building up towards today. And sometimes you can sort of get to the end and kind of go, right, cool. Like that, that was great, but it's time to move on. We've, we've talked about it for a bit. We've done its run. And now it's, now it's time to carry on. And that's true to a point. We have been building up to this day. We have been going through our series. This is the end of our sermon series. But I just really feel in my heart that the spirit and the heart of what has been shared and what this is, is only just beginning today. I really just feel that the things God has been doing and that he's been speaking to people, he's been speaking to me, and I know that what he's spoken to me can't just end today, but it's stuff that must continue. And I just have a sense, we felt as a team that this was going to be a significant series for the life of our church and for the future of where we're going, and I just feel that this morning, that we are just getting started. Sure, we're at the end of our practical series on Grow, but what God has been moving in his spirit is only just going to keep continuing, keep getting better. If you remember right back at the start of the series, Carl drew us a picture on a whiteboard of David facing Goliath. And Goliath was the giant that would come out to taunt the armies of Israel. He would stand out there and he would defy them and he would insult them and he would insult God. And he struck fear into the heart of the Israelite army. No one was willing to go up and stand against him. But then little old David comes along. And he sees this giant, but because he has a different vision, because of where his eyes are fixed, he doesn't just see a giant taunting an army, but he sees someone who dares to stand up to his God, his living God. And he says, who is this man that can stand against my God? David had a different perspective. His vision was different. He wasn't focused on the giant, but he was focused on the goodness and the greatness of God. And so the challenge was, is that what we focus on can determine the level of our faith. Are we focused on the giant? Or are we focused on God? And in the same way, David shared a week later here at Levita about Peter. And he was able to get out of the boat and walk on water towards Jesus. Because for a time, his eyes were fixed on Jesus. His eyes weren't focused on the storm that was around him, but his external circumstances. But his eyes were fixed on Jesus. And so for a time, he walked on water and he was able to get out of the boat. And he said, Jesus, if it is you out there, then I've got to get, I'm coming. I'm all in. He didn't sit halfway on. He couldn't stay in the boat and in the water. But he said, no, I'm getting all in. If it is really you, Jesus, I'm going all in. He got fully out of the boat. And then three weeks ago, Carl challenged us on being planted, on getting out of the pot, that in order for a tree to experience the growth that it has been designed for to reach its full potential, then it can't stay potted, where its roots will be restricted, where its nutrients will be restricted, but it has to be planted in the garden where it can feed itself, where its roots can go down deep and it can weather the seasons and it can come out stronger. It means it's got to be in the garden where God can do some pruning perhaps so that next season it can be even more fruitful than it currently is. And then last week we heard from both Paul and Carl as throughout the morning they talked about producing fruit that will last. 
and the legacy that comes with producing fruit. And we heard again some of the story of the journey of this church over many years and God's faithfulness and the things that he's done throughout all that time. And then there were some hiccups along the way with a, with a, a morning off and, and all that. But all of that brings us to this morning, our all-in service. where We get to come together as a church family to give and to celebrate everything that God is doing. And even though it isn't a next generation service anymore, it's an all-in service. As I've been thinking about it, there are still so many generational aspects. You know, we've had the youth out there in the car park welcoming us into church this morning. We've had the youth band lead us in some worship. We've had the kids put me to shame with their dance moves. We've got people of all ages represented across the service this morning and across the life of this church, as you saw in that incredible testimonies video, people of all ages that God has been speaking to throughout this time, such an incredible picture of God's family, the generations working together, building each other up as it was his design. We've got young adults, we've got those with children, young families, parents, those in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. We've got the grandparents of the church, the spiritual grandparents to all of us who's, when you look at their life and you look at their faith, it is just so inspiring. And I, it's my prayer that when I'm their age one day, that I'll have the same level of faith, if not more. But I was challenged again because it's so easy to think that faith just comes with age. It's like, right, well, these guys have faith because they're older, but that's not the case. These guys have faith because they've got more years on the clock being planted in the house of God. They've been planted in the house of God every week, day in and day out. They've weathered the storms, and that is how they have an incredible level of faith that they do. So to every young person here this morning, can I encourage you, you don't get faith with age. That is not what determines your faith. It is, are you planted in the house of the living God? And so then even in your old age, as we heard in Psalms, you'll stay fresh and green. And so I've been thinking quite a bit about the idea of generations and the importance of them working together as the system that God has put in place, the body of Christ that he's given us. And in my devotional readings this year, I've been reading throughout the Old Testament, reading through the incredible story of God's relationship with the nation of Israel throughout the generations, starting with Abraham as he gave him the promise that he'd be the father of many nations, and then through to Moses as he led the people out of slavery from Egypt and into the wilderness where God gave them the law and the systems and the structures by which they would govern their nation. And so I was reading through this, and a few months ago I was at the book of Joshua, where we read of the Israelite conquest into the promised land, where God goes before them and helps them clear out the land and take possession of it and defeat their enemies. And I was reading through it, and as I was, I was reminded of our Thanksgiving faith offering from 2016. And for those of you who weren't with us, a big part of that series and what we talked about was from a passage in Joshua, where the people came to Joshua and they said, we, we need more land. We need more territory. And he said, God has given you new territory. It's out there, but you're going to have to clear some trees. You're going to have to go out and you're going to have to take some, defeat some enemies, but God will be with you and you can do it. And I was reading through it and thinking about it and then being able to stand here this morning at an all-in service three years later with not just one campus represented, but two, and get to stand here this morning. And in this incredible service, we get to see part of this promise that we felt God give us fulfilled. We are in new territory. We have another campus. We literally have new territory. We bought some land, but to be able to see God's faithfulness, even just throughout these last three years. And so I was reading this, this book and having my faith inspired and being so encouraged by everything God was doing. But then I got to the end of the book. 
and I got into the book of Judges. And the first two chapters of Judges are really just a bookend for the life of Joshua. They tell of the last few battles that he was part of and then eventually his death at the end of his life. And as I was reading through the second chapter, there's a verse halfway through that after reading this incredible story of his life and the generation that did, this verse here just came and hit me in the face. And so it's Judges 2 verse 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, generations who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or even remember the mighty things he had done. How does a people who have experienced more miracles in history than any other time than Jesus, how does a people who were freed supernaturally out of a nation they were enslaved in, who were led through an ocean that literally parted so they could walk through on dry ground with walls of water on either side, who were led into the wilderness and for 40 years were led throughout the desert with a pillar of cloud in front of them by day and a pillar of fire by night. This was a people who stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and watched as a dark cloud descended on the mountain as the presence of God came in thunder and in lightning. And they watched as Moses ascended the mountain and then came back with his face glowing because he had been face to face with the living God. This was a people who watched as some of their family were literally swallowed up by the ground in front of them because they rebelled against Moses. A people who had their breakfast fall to them from the sky, whose morning coffees were provided from a rock. This was a people that watched as God um, led before them. They went into a fortified land and were able to almost completely conquer it. It was full of giants, it was full of kings and full of fortified cities. They walked around the city and its walls came down because they made some noise. How does a people who have experienced the faithfulness and the provision and the protection of God time and time again, how do those people allow a generation to grow up and not remember the mighty things he's done for them? How do they forget that? And do you know what God spoke to me the first time I read this passage years ago? He said, you know, Jono, you're confused at the Israelites for forgetting after a generation. Yet I'm confused at your ability to forget about it almost each and every day. Ouch. You're judging the Israelites to not, for not staying faithful to me over a generation. Yet how many times throughout your life already have you taken my provision for granted? How many times have you been reading your Bible at the start of the day? You've been spending time in prayer, spending time with me, and yet later that day you're gossiping and slandering about one of your friends at school. How many times have you been reading the teachings of Jesus, learning how he dealt with people in grace and in love, and yet only a few hours later you go and act the exact opposite to how he would? How many times have I provided for you day in and day out, and yet the next day, you're back to complaining about how difficult everything is and only looking at the lack in your life. When I first read this passage, God highlighted to me how quickly I am and how quickly we are as humans to forget the things that God has done for us. To take his goodness for granted. How quickly we are to turn back to old habits. 
or indulge in things that we know are not the best for us, things that he has told us that are against what he has said. And when you look throughout the Bible, it seems we don't have the best track record of naturally staying faithful to God. And so I had to ask myself, well, Lord, how do I stop that from happening? How do I not fall into the same trap as the Israelites? How do I break this pattern in my life? How do I not forget the things I have, you have done for me? And clearly there are many different answers to that question. There is not just one answer. We've talked about being planted and the importance of that. But there is one thing that was highlighted to me. And I want to talk about it this morning very fittingly. And that is thankfulness. You see, I don't know why the Israelites forgot the things that God had done. I don't know why a generation grew up that didn't acknowledge God. I wasn't there. I, I don't know. I can't claim to understand. But one way I reckon that possibly could have prevented it, or at least one way that I can ensure in my life it doesn't happen again, is to have the discipline of thanksgiving. Because you see, it's very difficult to worship Baal or turn to any other gods if you are constantly being reminded of all the things that the Lord has done. It's very difficult to shift your worship to something else when you're so thankful for everything that your God has done for you. Why would I worship an idol made of God? I remember my grandfather telling me how he saw the presence of God come down on a mountain. Why would I place my worship in anything else other than God? I remember my father telling me about how the walls of Jericho came down. I remember him telling me that we didn't always have this wonderful land to live in. We didn't always have this incredible house that we get to dwell in. We had to fight for this. It wasn't always this easy. Wow, thank you, Lord, for all the things that you have done. I am here now. I get to enjoy this now because of what you have done, Lord. Not Baal, not any other God, but you. But you see, we don't see that happen. They forget the mighty things that the Lord did for them, and they turned away. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. That is God. Giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors God. When we are thankful, it honors God because it causes us to openly admit again that He is the source. It puts Him in His rightful place, reminding us that it all comes from Him. We thank Him for the provision of the past, the things He has done for us in the past. But the reason that honors Him is because when we thank Him for the things of the past, it gives us a fresh faith and a hope for the things of the future. That, Lord, if you did that for me before, then I know you can do it again. Thanksgiving lifts our eyes out of where we currently are. Though, well, yes, there are definitely things in life that could be better than they are now. Life is not perfect, but I can trust you, God. I can stay the course because I'm so thankful for everything that you've done. But notice that it calls it a sacrifice. A sacrifice. You see, I reckon thankfulness and thanksgiving is not so much a feeling as it is a discipline. It's a choice. A decision that we make. It's something that we don't always feel like doing, but it's a muscle that we can exercise, and the more we use the muscle, the stronger it will get. It doesn't often come naturally to us. We have to learn how to do it. When I look at my life, there are so many things I'm thankful for, so many things that God has done for me time and time again, but yet it is so easy to forget and to neglect those things and to neglect the act of being thankful as I just take them for granted. 
And if we're not careful, we can become like the Israelites and forget the mighty things he has done. And when we forget the things he's done, we lose faith for the things that he could do. And we can lose our hope for the future. And so something I've come to realize, and it's why I'm talking about the generations this morning, is because Thanksgiving is something that needs to be taught. The same way that we're taught how to live, how to eat, how to cook, how to build, how to operate in society. I really feel that we are to teach the generations how to be thankful and to teach them the importance of thanksgiving. And living a life that is full of joy and thanksgiving is actually a skill that we need to be intentional about handing down from one generation to another and imparting it into people's lives. And so storytelling is part of that. Will you tell us You tell my generation of the mighty things he has done. And in turn, I tell the generation after me of the incredible things he not only did for you, but then also the things he did for me. And the cycle carries on. The passage says they didn't even remember the things God had done. I don't know how you forget about crossing the Red Sea. I don't know how you forget about all those incredible things, those supernatural things he did. But then as I said, when I look at my life, there are some things I can't explain, some miracles he's done. Yet it's so easy every day just to forget about those things and take those things for granted. This is why it is so important that it becomes a discipline in my life, that I choose to do it each and every day, that I choose to exercise it even when I don't feel like it. Because when you live a life that is thankful, when that is the posture of your life, when thanksgiving is a decision that you make every day, then you will not be able to help but proclaim it to any generation that you come in contact with. It will just radiate out of your life naturally. Your children will see it. Your grandchildren will see it. Your parents, your family, your school, your workmates, your friends, anyone you come in contact with, they will see it. When I'm constantly giving thanks for all God has done, when I'm in the habit of continually giving thanks regardless of what I'm facing, regardless of what I'm going through, when my heart is constantly being reminded of the goodness and the greatness of God and His faithfulness, when I choose to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, when I choose to give thanks any chance I get for what Jesus has done for me, then how could I worship anything else? How could I give my life to anything else? How could I bow before anything else? They haven't done the things my God has done for me. They haven't come through for me the way God has come through for me. And one of the reasons we can come forward this morning and give with joy in our hearts is because we are giving to the one who is always worthy of thanksgiving. I'm giving to the one who has secured me an eternal home, the one who calls me his cherished son, the one who sent Jesus to die for me, the son who was whipped until the skin hung off his body, the one who was nailed to a cross with a crown of thorns on his head, the one whose blood was poured out as a ransom for many who bore my sin, who bore my shame, my guilt, and my punishment, the one who as he hung there said, it is finished, the debt has been paid, there is nothing else you can do, the one who died in my place and three days later rose again victorious, the one who now sits at the right hand of God enthroned in the praises of 
of his people, the lamb who was slain, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, Emmanuel, God with us, the word made flesh, the one who died and rose again, the good shepherd, the prince of peace, the rock of my salvation, the one who by his stripes I am healed. That is someone who regardless of what I face, regardless of what I walk through, regardless of what giant stands before me, regardless of what storm I go through, he is the one who will always be worthy of my thanksgiving and my praise. And as I remind my heart of that, I will declare his goodness to every generation. And I will not forget the mighty things that the Lord has done for me. Thanksgiving is a choice. If the band want to come back up as we finish. Thanksgiving is a choice. It's a discipline we choose to engage in. And so when I lift my thanksgiving for those things, when I lift my thanksgiving for Jesus, and that becomes the focus of my attention, my heart and my life will be full of joy. And I won't be able to help but declare the goodness of God to anyone I come in contact with. And it's a choice that many of us are making this morning as we come forward to give financially and partner with everything that God is doing. We get to make the choice this morning to be thankful and to be grateful for everything that God has done. And as we do that, as we thank Him for the provision of the past, we're again inspired with the faith to believe for everything that He could do in the future and everything that we know He is going to do. And so I'd like to encourage you to stand this morning because we're going to sing a song now and I want us to sing this song again with a fresh sense of thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanking God for everything He's done. Thanking Him for everything He's going to do. And then afterwards, Carl is going to come and talk to us about how the giving is going to work and everything. So let me just pray and we'll carry on. Father, we are so thankful for the mighty things You have done. We are so thankful for all the times you have come through for us, all the times you have blessed us. But Lord, more than that, we are so thankful for the cross. We are so thankful for your son, Jesus, for everything that it meant when he went to the cross, that the debt has been paid. That when we come to him, we can come before you knowing that we are your sons and your daughters. And we choose this morning to make the decision to be grateful and thankful again. And I pray that we would not forget the incredible things you have done and we will declare those things to every generation. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.